Welcome, everybody, to episode one of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how God loves to delight his children. Did you know that God loves to delight his children with kindness and gifts? Think about a gift that you've received that you classified as the most amazing, off-the-charts, incredible, breathtaking, over-the-top gift. Now let me tell you, it pales in comparison to what our Heavenly Father gave for all who would believe in His Son. God freely gave the most extravagant gift we will ever be given, and that gift was His Son, Jesus Christ. His gift to us of eternal salvation is one that we can never repay. Even if we were to live our lives perfectly without sin, we could never repay this gift. The enormous magnitude cannot be calculated. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn anyone or point fingers. After all, God's word teaches that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet we still find many barriers existing that act as dividing lines between Christians, such as age, appearance, intellect, political persuasion, race, economic status, or even theological perspectives. If we want to create a chasm between ourselves and God, we only need to befriend people just like ourselves. Because Jesus broke down all barriers that exist, we're admonished not to rebuild them. Walls are useful for keeping separation a priority. When we seek unification like Jesus, we seek love and place people ahead of prophets. We should seek unity through the cross. I've found no one is smarter or better than another. It's been shown repeatedly that the leader is seldom the smartest one at the table. However, they know how to do what I'm suggesting we do, and that is to diversify. Many of my communication courses looked at cultural communication and taught me the nuances of various means for interpreting the world in which we live. When we embrace this idea, our lives are more well-rounded and the shape of our footprint widens. Can you imagine a world with zero diversity? How different things would be. We all need others. Robots don't make for an interesting world. We may share the Holy Spirit, but He is what brings to life new creative ideas, better ways of living, innovation, and improvements. We tend to model what great looks like and avoid what we consider pain points in life. This is what Jesus came to earth to do for his apostles and disciples. His apostles walked with him and learned. We're his disciples or his learners. It's our responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission and spread the gospel. Jesus' last words of instruction were to continue making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all commands. A dying person's final words are worth their weight in gold. It was no different with Jesus. God gave the authority to him. The Great Commission can be felt and seen in every direction spanning our globe. When we know knowledge and truth has no boundary or container, it's possible to realize we all learn from each other. We all bring unique experiences to the table. 
This is how free enterprise is accomplished. Jesus gave us the roadmap for how to do life. We have a complete map of instruction should we be non-complacent and willing to jump in, head first being agents of change and illuminating the pathways for others. We're not all called to evangelize, yet we are all called to share the gospel. The enemy will find and find and fill our minds with doubts or fears of not being perfectly versed in the gospel, therefore not ready. This is deception. You see, you're ready when you share Jesus from your heart and tell her what he's done in your life, coupled with what he already did at the cross. It's really not complicated. It's love in action. And the more in-depth our relationship with Jesus becomes, the greater our experiences we will have and the richer our testimony for Christ will become. In the natural, there's nothing special about me. Right here, I could stop and listen to God's number one enemy, Satan, and I could just give up. But I choose to listen to God instead. In the supernatural or the spirit realm, I'm God's masterpiece. And you know what? So are you. We're his Pablo Picasso or Leonardo da Vinci, or better yet, it's you and me. You see, the word of God is powerful. The word of God says in Ephesians, we've been created anew in Christ Jesus. This means when God looks at his children, he sees us as he sees his son, Jesus. We are whole, complete, righteous, forgiven, and the list could go on and on. You may be wondering why. It's nothing to do with what we've done. This gift is 100% grace gift derived from unmerited favor. Again, it's not about our effort, ability, intellect, or service. As a matter of fact, no effort on our part would ever be enough. Getting back to the natural, I once heard it said that the supermodel Cindy Crawford said she doesn't even look like Cindy Crawford in the morning, yet the world would classify her as special, judging on her height and looks. I'm sure she's a lovely person. The point I'm attempting to illustrate is that God says we are all special. It takes a humble person to be in the world, yet not of it. We all bring gifts to this world, and because we live in a fallen world, sometimes our gifts may actually be a hindrance toward drawing near to God. You see, when we don't stay connected to Jesus, who is our advocate to the Father, we tend to allow some form of pride into our life. Pride manifests itself in many different ways. Pride is always messy, never clean. The world tells us to stand up for yourself, toughen up. Put on your big girl or big boy pants, and yet this advice goes against all Jesus came to earth to teach. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, we're reminded that the Gentiles used to be outsiders by birth. We were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Our hearts are the engine of our soul. The pious or pharisaical Jews considered Gentiles, or the non-Jews, to be less than, ceremonially unclean. They felt superior as God's chosen people because of their national heritage and religious ceremonies. Paul came and corrected that thinking by pointing out that Jews and Gentiles alike were unclean or unrighteous before being cleansed by the shed blood of Christ. 
This is a great example for how insidious pride can be. No one, no, not one is lesser in the kingdom of God. Both Jews and Gentiles alive suffer at times from spiritual pride. The Jews suffer when they believe their faith and religious traditions elevate them above all others. And the Gentiles suffer for trusting in their achievements, possessions, power, and position within the world. The point being, we all succumb to spiritual pride at one time or another in our lives. Living in a fallen world challenges us to consistently take the high road. It's the narrow path as opposed to broad, wide, that is congested with millions upon millions of travelers. Spiritual pride blinds us. This blinding makes us oblivious to our own faults and shortcomings while we can pick apart our figurative neighbor for all of their faults and shortcomings. Why is this such a problem? Is that if we're constantly looking for what's wrong, we'll find it. When instead, we need to be looking for what's right. This is how we show love in action and grace on the spot to others. The enemy attempts to tell us it's a gift to see what's wrong. Don't be fooled. God's wisdom is just the opposite. When my daughter was in junior high school and she had a math teacher was who was having a rough day, by not being entangled in spiritual pride, she was able to observe a tough situation in her sweet way, writing an encouraging note to her teacher, helping her see the good in humanity. Her teacher wrote her a glowing letter back, and both myself and husband were so proud of her, but proud in a humble way. We're reminded not to be proud of our salvation. This is a grace gift from God, as it is our faith. Jesus is the only one who's able to break down the walls of prejudices. He alone is our propitiation for sin, reconciling us back to the Father. He brings unity to Christians as we are the body of the church while he is the head. Christ has made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by making us all one people. He's broken down the walls of hostility that used to separate us. By his death, he ended the whole system of Jewish law that has excluded Gentiles. His purpose was to make peace between two groups by creating in himself one new person from the two groups. Now, knowing Jesus makes us one, don't you think we can show up differently? Not judge a book by its cover? Perhaps we could even extend grace. Our experiences are the filters we see life through. These filters or lenses are all historical in nature. So how do we see in the here and the now? Jesus modeled perfect love for us. The book of John tells us we're able to love because he first loved us. We must remove the spiritual blinders to avoid assessing people or situations solely by initial impressions. When we do this, we lose out on many potential life learning opportunities. Do you remember the miracle healing Jesus did for a demon-possessed man who was both blind and mute? The story's in the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew. Jesus tells the man first, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And this is an important distinction for us. The real miracle is that Jesus healed his spiritually sick heart due to sin. The secondary miracle was the physical healing. 
The book of Matthew shares Jesus' teaching regarding the hearts of people that are hardened and their ears cannot hear, so their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. Jesus spoke in parables. For the genuine people seeking Jesus, his truth was understandable. But to others, his parables were merely stories without meaning. Jesus said to teachable people, more teaching and understanding would be given. But to those who were not listening to the teaching, that it would be taken away and he would harden their hearts. Friends, don't wait putting off the most important decision of your life, a relationship with Jesus. Don't allow your heart to grow hard towards Jesus. We all desire eyes to see, ears to hear, and soft, pliable hearts that are moldable for our Creator. Don't follow the standard operating procedure of the world that says, fake it until you make it. Instead, show up as the genuine article, the real deal. God bless you. And friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, because we all will spend eternity somewhere, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And also get into a good Bible-based church. And let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you will ever make. And as you go out into the world, remember the priestly blessing. It comes from Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26. And this prayer alone encompasses six blessings. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen.